Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or if there's something going on in your life that you'd like to talk about or ask questions about or if you have a prayer request. We'd love to talk with you and pray for you and answer those questions you have. Give us a call at 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. Again, the call-in line is 303-690-3000. We want to welcome all of you who are listening, wherever you're tuning in from today. Uh, first of all, those of you listening here in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM, uh, welcome to the program. We're so glad that you tuned in today. And uh, you're hearing the show live, uh, but we also want to welcome those who are listening on our syndicated stations on the East Coast, in, on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, and also on our other syndicated uh, station there, Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. So glad to have you with us. Just a reminder that those of you on Hope FM and Truth FM, you are hearing the program on a one-week delay, but we would love for you to call in and uh, ask your questions, give us your prayer requests, and then you, what you'll be able to do is you'll be able to tune in one week from now and listen to yourself on the radio. But for those of you in Colorado and Wyoming, you're hearing the program live today. We also want to uh, remind you that you can tune in on your mobile device through the app. We have a great app. If you go to Grace FM in the, if you go into your app store and then type in Grace FM in the search bar there, you will find our app. It'll come right up. It's free and you can download it and you can listen to this program and any other program on Grace FM live uh, through the app. And you can also go to our website anytime. So go to gracefm.com in your browser and you can just click the listen live button and you can listen anytime anywhere you are so we get calls sometimes from California and other places where we're not airing over the radio airwaves but we are online and so we'd love to hear from you wherever you're listening in from today give us a call the number is 303-690-3000 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897 just a few words about myself I am your host here every Monday on Calvary Live. Again, my name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, Whitefields meets downtown in Longmont. We meet at the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is kind of a central historical building in downtown Longmont. We're just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue, which is a, you know, pretty major street here in downtown Longmont. So we're just one block west of Main Street at 700 Longs Peak Avenue. So that is the that is the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. 
It's the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman, and it is uh, just on the edge of Roosevelt Park, which is the um, it is the uh, city park here in Longmont. And so we'd love for you to come out and worship with us and visit us. We have some great things going on at church right now. Just the last uh, four weeks especially have been, um, you know, it's just been like God has really been moving in a special way in our church, and people have been noticing it, and Man, it has been a, a really special four weeks with people really connecting with the Lord in worship and and um, and through the teaching and, and studying the Bible. It's it's exciting to be part of what God's doing there at Whitefields right now. And we'd love for you to be a part of it. If you are in Longmont or if you're in any of the surrounding towns or within driving distance, we would love to have you come and be a part of what God's doing at Whitefields. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. So it's whitefieldschurch.com. And uh, we'd love to have you come visit us. We have a service at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. So 10 a.m. Sunday mornings, we have a great children's ministry, great worship again. And, and our study right now, we like to study verse by verse through books of the Bible. But currently we're doing kind of a hybrid study. It's not exactly a topical study, nor is it exactly a true book study. But what it is, is it's a study of the prophets. And so it's called Remember the Prophets, the series we're doing. It's just an eight-week series here. We started at the beginning of this year. And so far, we've done four, four sermons in this series. And each week, what we're doing is we're looking at another one of the Old Testament prophets. So each week, we look at one of the prophets. And it's based on this idea, which comes from James chapter 5, verse 10, where it says, Remember the prophets and see them as examples you know, consider them as examples of people who endured in the midst of suffering. And so what he's saying is there, when you read the prophets, don't just think about what they um, prophesied and what they wrote or what they said, but also um, be looking at, um, at who they were and how they lived their lives and how they're examples for us today. And so that's what we're doing in this series. And so we're going through the prophets chronologically and we're not hitting every prophet. So, uh, you know, there are about 16 prophets there and we're only looking at eight of them. So we've looked so far at Amos. We looked at Hosea. We looked at Isaiah. And this past week we looked at Habakkuk, which was really a great study. It was actually one I was thinking about skipping as I was looking at my uh, list of prophets and, you know, knowing that I wouldn't be able to talk about all of them, but looking at the ones that we wanted to cover. And I thought, oh, Habakkuk, there's probably not much to say about that. Well, I was absolutely wrong. There is so much to say about Habakkuk, you know, just in studying him. One of the things that you learn about Habakkuk is that he uh, was a man who struggled, like many of us do, with questions. A lot of the same questions that we get a lot here on this radio program. Like, where is God when bad stuff happens? And why doesn't God, if God could stop things from happening, or God could intervene um, and judge people who do bad things, why doesn't God intervene more? Why doesn't God stop or prevent things from happening if he could uh, many times. And Habakkuk asks those questions. Really, he calls into question God's justice and God's fairness. And interestingly, you know, that's very similar like to the book of Job. But whereas God doesn't really give Job direct answers to his questions, um, he actually does give Habakkuk direct answers to his questions on two occasions. And, and then Habakkuk makes this determination, which is so important, I think, for all of us as believers and those who are, who are learning about Christianity, is to say, he says, uh, I'm going to come to this determination that even though I might not understand what is happening and why things are happening and why God has allowed the things he's allowed, I am going to rest and trust in who I know that God is 
what I know about his character and rest and trust in that because the fact is I only see a little sliver of the big picture of what God's doing in history and all around the world. I only see a sliver of that. And so the best thing I can do is really trust in who God is in his character. And it's from this book, Habakkuk, that we get this incredible phrase, the just shall live by faith or the righteous shall live by faith. And he makes this declaration at the end of the book of Habakkuk where he says, you know, if there's no fruit on the vine, if there's no animals in the stable, if there's no food in the fields, I am still going to trust the Lord. In other words, he's saying if everything in my life falls apart, if everything is complete disaster, all my circumstances are terrible and bad, I'm still going to praise the Lord because he's the God of my salvation. And man, I, I love that message yesterday. You can listen to it on our website. It's already up on the website and on our podcast. Definitely check that out. Or you can check out all our social media and we, we post all the stuff up there as well as stuff throughout the week. Um, so Whitefields Community Church, if you're looking for social media, just type us into your uh, search engine, Whitefields Church, and you can find our website, whitefieldschurch.com, to listen to those messages and to connect with us. We'd love for you to do that. And you can also hear me every weekday here on Grace FM. We have a show that airs at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time called Life in the Field, and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We'd love for you to tune in at those times if you're not in church on Sunday morning for some reason, then tune in to Grace FM and listen to that program and check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to Sean in New Jersey. Hi, Sean. Welcome to the program. Pastor, how you doing? Doing well. Good. Um, so, you know, the other day, actually about a week ago, um, on Facebook, I, I was following this, this guy that um, that had some stuff, it, it, you know, it was, it was scriptural, so I was following him, and then one day I listened to his podcast, and he started to say some things that started to confuse me, um, and I actually had to look in God's Word to see where he was making his claim. And basically what he was making the claim was that the church, uh, too many churches nowadays, um, you know, throw the phrase around, um, you know, I think Greg Laurie says it too, like the church is the hospital for sinners and, and sinners saved by grace. And, and all these terms, he's making this claim that they're false, that nowhere in the Bible does it say that after you're saved by the grace of God that you're a sinner anymore. And he actually brought up uh, verse First uh, John 3, I think it was 4 through 9, that actually makes the claim that after you're saved, you are not a sinner, um, and that you um, you actually, if you sin, you're not saved. And and then I had actually, you know, commented it to one of his podcasts, and, and he had replied back, and I said, so are you making the claim that you're not a sinner? He really didn't answer me by saying that, but he said, nowhere in the Bible will you find that, um, that you are a sinner after being saved by the grace of God. Um, so, and I started really to look into that, and I had some trouble finding that. Now, I know Peter says that he was the chief of all sinners, but that was prior to him uh, uh, um, seeing God or seeing Jesus. Um, so I, I guess I have some questions about that. Maybe you can lead me in, in the direction, um, because I, I'm taught that, that we're all sinners, and um, we have to repent. Even even after being saved, you we we have the ability to sin. Uh, God doesn't want us to sin, 
Um, but because we're seed of Adam, we have the ability and the want to sin. Um, yeah. Maybe you can clarify that for me. Yeah, I mean, really what he's making is a really simplistic argument based on um, based on one uh verse really in a book which he's taking out of context okay so let me explain a little and i've heard this before you know it's this this argument is not new it's just kind of the idea that hey according to first john it says that if we you know if we sin uh er, sorry if we're saved then we don't go on sinning now um you know his obviously his argument is built on the fact that he doesn't understand a few things he doesn't understand the use of language in First John, he doesn't understand the fact that uh, John is speaking in really black and white terms, but he but he's also uh, talking about continuing in sin. So so let me make some distinctions for you, and then let me give you some examples that back up the distinction that uh, I'm making, which obviously you you are looking for some justification for. So my my position is that you are absolutely right that we are as martin luther said you know what we are used to set peccator which means we are both at the same time justified and sinners at the same time uh in this life there will be a time when we will be made perfect uh in the sense that not just perfect in status so we are perfect we are saints in status and yet we sin in practice right because God looks at us and basically he has given us in Christ, if we are in Christ, if we put our faith in him, he has given us Christ's perfect record. That's what it means to be justified and made righteous. It's essentially like there's Jesus' record of all the good, perfect life that he lived. And then there's our record of our shortcomings and failures. And he takes, you know, you can imagine taking a pencil with an eraser erasing Jesus' name and writing in your name and then on your you know list uh, or your you know list of you know accomplishments or performance scratching out your name and writing Jesus' name and then Jesus took the punishment for your sins and you get to receive the benefit and the reward for Jesus's perfect life and so um, that so that's what we believe as Christians now his point of course this is this is not what what Christians have believed in general ever. Uh, so this this argument has appeared from time to time, and there are some who hold it, but it's not considered like a, even a legitimate argument. Now let me just give you some examples from First John itself. Okay, so First John begins by saying this: If we confess our sins, this is chapter one, verse nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. Now, this person might re- retort to that and say, oh, well, that's in the past, but now that we're Christians, we no longer sin. Uh, I'll give you a few examples. Um, chapter 1, verse 6, he says, if we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. So I want you to notice these action verbs here, walk and practice. They both imply something. They imply ongoing things, and they imply intentionality. Okay? Now let's continue in chapter 2. My little children. Here's really, this is really the, the key verse to understanding why he's saying that even though we are saved, we still sin. Okay? Uh, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. who And, and Jesus Christ the righteous, he is the propitiation for our sins. 
In other words, what he's saying is we, we don't go on. Once we are saved, the fruit of that, the, the change that the Holy Spirit works in us is so profound that we will no longer seek the same things. We will no longer desire the same things we used to. We will no longer live the same way we used to. Now, if somebody goes on living that same way, then it's probably a sign that maybe they aren't really regenerated, not really saved. And yet, he mentions here, my little children, he's speaking to Christians, and he's saying, if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Okay, so there's that. Now, to your point, which was, uh, he mentioned First John 3, uh, verses 4 through 9. And what he says in that is important, um, but we have to understand it in context. So he says, uh, verse 4, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Okay, so then he says, He who abides in him, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Okay, and then he goes on again in verse 7. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. And then he goes, verse 8 again, makes a practice of sinning. So when I was in seminary and I learned Greek, this was the very first book that they had us uh, translate. And the reason is because it's written in very simple language, right? It's like uh, C, uh, you know, C Jane, C Jane run. Like it's that simple in, uh, in Greek. Um, but what's in, important to understand is that he, this word where it keeps translating it practice of sinning, practice of sinning, or keeps on sinning, these are, um, you know, like we have in English, a continuous action, ongoing tenses, okay? Without, without repenting, correct? Well, it's not that so, there's no repentance going on. What it, what it means is this. There's a difference between... Um, Let's think about this word. Think about the things that you practice to get better at. Like you practice your golf swing so that you can get better at your golf swing. And so let's think about it like that. Um, you know, there are things that you practice to get better at because you want to develop those things. You're pursuing getting better at those things. You practice the guitar. You practice your golf swing, whatever it is that you practice at. And what he's saying is, you know, if you are really a Christian, the things that you practice will be different. In other words... Uh, some people practice sinning like they practice their golf swing. Like they wake up in the morning thinking about how they can do it better than they did before, right? Like they, they want to get better at it because they like it. So that's really the big distinction here. And I'd put it this way, you know, like first, or sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says that if someone's in Christ, they're a new creation. It's kind of like this, like, you know, you go from being a, a pig to being a sheep, and now there's a fundamental difference between pigs and sheep, right? Like, so uh, sheep might fall in the mud on occasion, but they're not going out looking for mud. They don't delight to roll around in the mud. Whereas pigs, they're looking for it, man. That's what they live for is to go find some mud so they can jump in it, roll around in it. Uh, you know, that's the goal of their life. Does that make sense? It does. It makes it makes sense to me, and I, I definitely understand when you say practice. When when John says practicing, that means you're continually doing it, um, and, and knowingly, knowingly, yeah. continually doing it. Um, and right. obviously, then you have to question your faith in God and, and your salvation. Um, so, so I, I guess I understand that. Um, it, 
I believe that 100%. I just wanted clarification, you know, with that. Yeah, I'll give you a few examples, too. Uh, we know that Peter, for example, in Galatians chapter 2, Peter sins, doesn't he? Because uh, he goes and he has had this thing where God told him that God makes no more distinction between Jews and Gentiles. And then Peter shows up and he acts uh, in what we would call today a racist way, that he excludes Gentiles and sits with the Jews and kind of acts like he's superior to the Gentiles. And Paul in Galatians 2 recounts this event, which is not found anywhere else, right? This is obviously something that happened, which isn't written down in any other book. But Paul rebuked him for it. In other words, you know, was that a sin? Yes. Did, did Peter then repent of that sin? Yes, he did. And, and he was already a believer. He was already an apostle. You know, and so, so there, are, there are plenty of examples like this in the Bible of people who are already Christians and they sin. You know, you could look at, um, you could look at places like in Acts uh, 13 where we see that uh, Paul and Barnabas split up because they have this disagreement over Mark, uh, John Mark. And it seems that, you know, they're, they're really not in agreement here. They both believe the other one is wrong. Right? We have examples like in, in First and Second Corinthians of believers sinning and, and even doing kind of like serious sins, right? Like, uh, you know, some serious sexual immorality that uh, Paul says, you know, this kind of stuff isn't even seen uh, amongst Gentiles and unbelievers. And then that person repents in Second Corinthians and Paul says, OK, guys, the dude repented. Now let him back in the church. Yep, and so yep. so these we have plenty of examples in the New Testament of people who are Christians and who sin. Yeah, but there's a difference between pursuing it, intentionally going for it, right? Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people out there, right, that uh, really follow this this um, ideology or, or, you know, theology, I guess you could call it, um, and that believe that uh, they're no longer sinners. And it's confusing to me, and, and I see why they believe that. Um, but, uh, again, they just got to study the Word more. Um, yeah, so so I'll just say this, and then I'll let you go. But this is why it's important to build um, a biblical theology, okay? And so uh, when we talk about biblical theology, or we you could call it by lots of terms, it's, you could call it a canonical theology, or you could call it even a systematic theology, right? And so the reason why those those terms are important is because what it means is that we believe that the whole Bible is important, and when we build the theology, we don't build it based on you know four verses from first john chapter three we build it on the whole council of god's word so thanks so, so thank much you, for Pastor. your call yeah god bless it, you sean all right thanks for calling in bye-bye you're listening to calvary live this is pastor nick Cady from whitefields community church in longmont colorado taking your calls and texts on the air today we've got a few minutes before our break but let's take our next caller um, but let me give you the call-in number uh, so that you can call in. We've got two open lines right now. We'd love to have you call in, and we'll get you uh, right after the break. The number to call is 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Rachel in Parker, Colorado. Hi, Rachel. Welcome Hi. to the program. Hi, how are you? Doing great. What's up? So I... Um have a question particularly with um, some people I know, but I know this is kind of a new problem with the new generation of young moms, okay. where um, 
we have so much information <laughs> telling us what to parent, what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of these young moms that are friends of mine are saying, you know, my parenting style keeps me from church. My parenting style keeps me from this, like to, to an extreme, like they never get to go to church um, and they never get to fellowship. And then their marriage is struggling. Like, well, you could come to church and get some counseling. And they're like, well, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've just been having a hard time um, wording my thoughts on on how to address that biblically, because I, I believe that it would be considered um, treating their child as an idol. Um, but it's hard when they recount with, you know, but they have such present, physical, loud needs, um, okay. which I understand. I have my own one-year-old. So I just wanted some advice on how to address that. Yeah, I think it comes from, I think it comes from a theology which is really important. It me, in my opinion, it comes from having a um, a oh, what's uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A lacking theology of the importance of fellowship and the church. And uh, I don't want to just say church. I want to call it the people of God and what it means to be a Christian, actually. And, and I would say this, in in my opinion. And again, I feel like I can say this because I don't know your friends. You know, I'm not really uh, wanting to insult anybody personally. I think I can say this really objectively. I think that in many cases, um, we in America and in the West, but particularly America, you know, we live in the most individualistic society that has ever existed in the history of the world. But, you know, when you swim in the water, if you're a fish, right, you don't notice the water, right? It's just the water you swim in. Uh, You don't. Mm. You don't take note of how the environment affects you. You just move around in the environment that you're in, right? Your habitat. And so we live today in this uh, culture that is so, number one, individualistic here in the United States and even more so in the Western United States. Um, It's individualistic. And secondly, um, we view ourselves, well, I guess I'd say that individualism flows into so many things right and and secondly i'd say that they're letting some parenting expectations or things that have been put on them or that they put on themselves uh, influence them rather than letting god's word shape how they live with in regard to their kids is just one aspect right but it's it's an outworking mm-hmm. of how they view themselves and how they view the word of god and how they function within their culture now so that sounds like a lot but let me just make it really simple um All right. Yeah, so the thing is that we, we need to understand God's design for us as human beings. And I want to read you this quote that I love from Sinclair Ferguson, which I think sums it up very well. Sinclair Ferguson says this, We are not saved individually, and then we choose to join the church as if it is some kind of club or support group. Rather, Christ died for his people, and we are saved when by faith we become part of the people for whom Christ died. And, you know, Paul says this in Ephesians 2, uh, you are no longer strangers and aliens. Let's put that in our own terms. You are no longer um, isolated individuals, but you are fellow citizens and saints and members of the household of God. And, you know, um, I was reading something for school the other day. I'm doing a master's program right now in theology. And one of the things that they said in this program was we we read this thing on ecclesiology, the the doctrine of the church. And what he Mm -hmm. said was, um, 
What if we've gotten it so backwards in our culture where now people think that church exists for them as individuals, as a kind of to provide a service for them, whereas what we see in the Word of God is that we as individuals exist for the purpose of the church. Now, that is such a radical thing, and I'm sure that there are people listening right now who are like, wait a second, I'm not sure that's yeah. right. No, that's not common, and I'm, I've been churched my whole life, and that makes sense to me, but I wouldn't have thought to include that in my... I guess reasoning um, mm. for encouraging them that fellowship is necessary. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I would like to talk to you more about this. If you don't mind holding through the break, we're going to have a two minute break. But if not, then I, I can just kind of finish my thoughts with you off the air. Uh, I'll let you decide over the break and you can talk to the producer, but I'm going to have to take us to our two minute break right now. You're listening to Calvary Live. We're going to be back in two minutes time right after this break. The number to call 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897. We'll get back to this call and many more right after the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Today with you, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, we'd love to hear from you talk about those things with you and pray for you. Give us a call or text us. We have one open line right now. The number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Hey, right before we go back to our callers, let me take the opportunity to invite you. If you are in the Longmont area or the surrounding area, we would love for you to come and join us for worship and the word this Sunday or any Sunday. Or if you have friends or family in this area here around Longmont, Boulder County, Southwest Weld County, this area, uh, South Larimer County, we'd love for you to send them our way. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com, whitefieldschurch.com. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And we're currently studying through the prophets this coming Sunday. We're going to be looking at Jeremiah, and we're going to be talking about a recipe for courage. Jeremiah wasn't the most successful prophet, nor was he the most, uh, let's say, the greatest prophet, but he was the most courageous prophet. And we can look into his life and see where he got his courage from, and we can draw courage ourselves as well. So join us this Sunday or send some folks our way. We'd love to have them with us. God's doing a great work at Whitefields in Longmont. So check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. So back to uh, our caller was Rachel, and she was asking about people who seem to prioritize um, their schedules with their kids uh, to the point where they don't come to church. And we got to talking about this idea of uh, that comes from what I would call a deficient theology of the church uh, or ecclesiology is what we call it in theological terms. But uh, it really comes from a deficient understanding of our role as believers, where in our individualistic society, we have let our society de 
tell us that, you know, church is kind of like another service provider that we go to to get our services provided for. And, you know, if we find a better place to get that done, then we'll go there. And, you know, if we can, you know, get it done online at home, then we can get it done online at home and other things take priority. But really, that's not what the Bible would teach us. The Bible doesn't teach us that church is a support group or or a service provider. Rather, it teaches us that we as the people of we to be saved is to become part of the people of God. And I, was, I mentioned to her this quote that I read, which very much challenged me in my thinking, where he said, what if, rather than seeing the church as a service provider, we need to understand that the church doesn't exist for us, but we exist for the church because the church is the means uh, by which the gospel goes forth into the world, by which people are discipled, and, and by which people grow and are, are manifesting the kingdom. And so all these things which are so challenging and so important. So here, Rachel, here's my last thought for you is I would really encourage your friends. I would really help them to see how the word of God challenges what they're doing. And I would encourage them to just switch their priorities, you know, and, and to say, and, and you know what? It also communicates so much to our kids. I, I think this is something that a lot of parents don't keep in mind is that it communicates so much to our kids not just what we say but what we do like when when we let let anything and everything else come in uh the way of us you know being part of the gathering of the saints on sunday morning which is is very important um for our souls but also for us as as a corporate it's important because we receive but also because we give to others right and so um, when we let anything else, you know, oh, well, this hap- this came up or that came up. And, uh, you know, I remember this quote from the office where Michael, the boss, he says to somebody, he says, you know, somebody invites him to this thing. And he says, I wouldn't miss it for anything in the world unless something else comes up. And then I definitely won't be there. And I feel like that's how that's how some people can be uh, with regard to that. And I would just encourage them flip that script because it will communicate so much to your kids when you tell them kids this is so important that you know what like like my kids right where i have kids in sports my daughter uh, plays lacrosse my son played baseball and it's like we tell the kids kids we go to church on sunday mornings because we're christians that's what we do and if that means that you miss a baseball game it means that you miss a baseball game or we'll be late and you'll get there in the second part of the game Um, but it communicates something to our kids about our values when we choose those things so um Rachel, I, thanks for your question. I think it's a very good one. Let's go to Watson in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Watson. Welcome Hello. to the program. Hello. How are you doing? Doing well. What's up? Um, I got a, one thing. Um, I've been a Christian over five years. I get thrills of being a Christian because I tell everybody why I'm riding these lovely buses. That's a nice word. Okay. And um, I got on a bus one day and... Um, some lady said, who on here is a Christian and serves Jesus Christ? And I raised my hand. I said, me. And no one else, they just looked at me like I was crazy. Hmm. I'm like, you, and this I do know. If you deny Jesus in front of people, he's going to deny you in front of his father. Hmm. Plain and simple. So I look at it logically. I look at it as Jesus is my world other than my family. And I just needed a prayer request because my grandson, I would like my grandson to be saved because he's a really wonderful kid. And okay, he's... let's pray for your grandson. Yeah. 
Thank you. Okay, let's do it. Heavenly Father, I pray for, for Watson and her grandson. Lord, I pray that you would um, you would be with him, Lord, that really that your spirit, as you are convicting people of sin, righteousness, and judgment, Lord, that he would heed the call of the Holy Spirit uh, in his heart, in his mind, that, uh, Lord, you'd use his grandparents, Lord, to speak into his life, and that uh, truly he would understand the gospel and respond to the gospel. Um, Lord, whatever walls, whatever hard things are, are standing in the way of that, whichever things are causing a barrier, Lord, I ask that you would remove those barriers. I pray that, Lord, you'd truly um, give him the gift of faith, and, Lord, that he would believe. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. I was just wondering, uh, is it, I call my home my church. Is Is that right or no? Because I feel... Well, I have every room in my house. I have the Christian sta- your Christian station on twenty four seven. So, that's a great question. And you know, there's so many people who do that, and it kind of ties into a question we just had earlier on the program. I know you're listening from Baltimore, so you might not have heard it, but I'll tell you this: that um, I think that you should understand that your house is your house, and your house should be a sanctuary to the Lord. Because your Holy Spirit, uh, because the Holy Spirit of God uh, is there, and and God wants you to commune with Him wherever you are, whether it's on the bus or in your house. But there is really no substitute for the church. It is the ordained institution by which God has has instituted for His mission to go forth, for believers to be discipled, uh, to be the the hub for evangelism. Let me just run you through some real quick thoughts, and I'm going to have to let you go. But think about this: in the Book of Acts, what do we see? God gives birth to the church on Pentecost by the Holy Spirit. Then the, he grows the church. Then the church uh, goes forth. And what do they do? By the power of the Spirit, they plant more churches. Then missionaries go forth. And what do they do? They evangelize and plant churches everywhere they go. Then letters are written to churches to encourage them to be great churches. And then we see in the book of Revelation that the Spirit of God, right? And Jesus himself, it says that he's walking amongst the lampstands, which are the churches. In other words, where is Jesus to be found? He's among the churches. Then there are seven letters to seven churches. In other words, let's just put it this way. Jesus is really into church and and therefore we should be too. In fact, he says the church is my bride. And let's put it in, you know, uh, playground language. Jesus loves the church so much that he wants to marry it, right? Like, so so yeah. if we look at the church and we say, nah, I don't need that. I've got my own thing going with, um, but you know. But even if you d- uh, disagree, you still should respect the church, correct? Oh, well, absolutely you should. And, and I That's don't think, I yeah. I, I and, do respect, I have a lot of respect for churches. Yeah, I'm you a- know, here, here's what I tell you. Look up Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. It says, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together as is the habit of some. Okay, so some people. Okay at that time even, forsook the gathering of themselves together, meaning congregational gathering, assembling. Mm. And he says, don't do that. So that's my word to you today. But I'm so glad to hear that you're walking with the Lord. And God bless you. Thanks for calling in. You too, Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. One open line. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's go to... Tanisha in Maryland. Hi, Tanisha. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Um, I wanted to, to, to get some tips 
because I'm a new convert, so I wanted to get some tips, like to how to get to um, like study the word, because I find that I'm having difficulty with um, like reading my Bible on a daily basis. Yeah, uh, how are you going? Can you ask? Can I ask you how have you been going about doing it so far? Um, it's mostly like if I would go to um, like Bible study, I would read it there, or if I would go to church on a Sunday, I would read it. But um, in terms of like committing a schedule to reading it at home, I, I haven't been doing that. Okay, so here's what I'm going to recommend for you. I would like you to to take your Bible and in the New Testament. So you'll notice the Bible's broken into two sections, right? the Old Testament and the New Testament. Once you go to the New Testament and read the Gospel of John, and as soon as you're done reading that, it'll probably take you, oh, I don't know, a couple days, maybe a week, if you read, you know, pretty consistently at a, you know, readable chunks. And then, so I want you to do that. And then when you're done with that, I want you to read the next book and then just keep reading until you get to the end of the New Testament. And, and that'll keep you busy for the next several weeks, I'm sure. But it's really going to help you understand what Christianity is all about. It's going to help you understand all the main doctrines of Christianity, who Jesus was, why he's important, and all these things like we've been talking about on the show today about how churches got started, how Christianity spread, what it means to be a Christian, and our calling and mission. And it's going to be really good for you. So there's also a great, you know, there's some great reading plans, but that would be my recommendation is whether you read on your phone or whether you read on a paper Bible, definitely read the Gospel of John, then the Book of Acts, and then the New Testament letters, which come after them, and all the way through the Book of Revelation. And here's my other advice. If you don't understand anything, which, which that is going to happen, here's what I want you to do. Like get a notebook. And just literally write down every question you have. And then okay. I want you to um, to take those questions to somebody who's willing to uh, to walk with you through them. And if you're not sure who that would be, it sounds like you know some people who do Bible studies and maybe you have somebody who, who has been more experienced with this. Ask them to help you find somebody, even if it's not them, who can just sit with you and answer your questions. Um and and then I would uh, it sounds great that you're going to church. Keep doing that. And maybe one other uh, suggestion I give you: it might be good for you to get a, a really easy to understand um, English translation. And the reason is, you know, if it's uh, you know, the purpose is that you want to understand the the message. And so make sure that the Bible you're reading is one that you know the translation makes it understandable. Because here's the thing, the Bible was written, especially the New Testament, is written in Greek. And so um, so what you want is a translation of that Greek text into whatever language you're reading in that makes it understandable. Okay. Because what do you mean? Like, the, um, I know that sometimes on my phone they would have, like, different, um, I don't know if it's translation, but, like, they would say King James and then New King James and then NIV. That's right. So exactly. So I would recommend using something like uh, NIV or New Living Translation. Uh, but I would personally, I would say, don't read the King James version, the old King James version, to start with. Um, maybe you will in the future, you know. But um, but for getting started, I would just say let's let's start with something uh, 
easy to understand. Okay, because I was trying to see if there was like other materials that I could use, mm. but I was getting confused. So I'm like, okay. There I are. There are some good materials that you can use. There's a book that we give to new believers here at our church. And there's a course. We designed a course for new believers. And if you want to give your email address to the producer, I'd be happy to email you a copy of that course. Um, and I can recommend one book for you uh, that would be really good. And that book is called The Walk. So if you just Google it, look for The, the Walk. Walk. Yeah, it's called The Walk. And it's just really like, it's kind of like, hey, I became a Christian. What do I do now is, uh, is the big idea of the book. So um, maybe check out that book. And if you want to give your email address to the producer, I'll send you our New Believers course that we use at our church. And, but definitely there's nothing that can replace reading the Bible. Okay, okay. Well, cool. Let me pray for you and then I'm going to let you go. So, okay, thank you. Heavenly Father, I pray for Tanisha and just thank you, Lord, so much for uh, this new life that she's received in Jesus. And I, I thank you, Lord, for, for her being part of your family, part of your people. And I uh, just ask you to bless her in Jesus' name and help her to grow in her understanding. Help her, as your word says in Colossians, that she would be rooted and grounded in you, Jesus. And that she would understand that she would grow in the grace and the knowledge of of her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Tanisha. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got two open lines. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-336. 0897. Let's go to Ken in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Ken. Welcome to the program. Ken, are you with us? Okay, well, it looks like we might have lost Ken, so that means that we've got three open lines. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. Let's go to our text line while we're waiting for uh, more calls to come in. Uh, the text line is... Uh, well, this, this first text we got is from someone, looks like from Colorado Springs, asking, what is the preterist stance? So this is Corey from Colorado Springs. Hi, Corey. What is the preterist stance? And another question, did Christ return in AD 70, and are we now living in his kingdom? Okay, so uh, preterism. Preterism is the idea that all of the things uh, in the New Testament where it talks like in the book of Revelation and in Matthew 24 and 25, and this would be like Luke chapter 13. So this would be uh, what's called the Olivet Discourse, would be Matthew 24 and 25, where Jesus is on the Mount of Olives and he gives a discourse about some things that are going to happen in the future. And then the book of Revelation. So generally, preterist stance means that these things, they believe, have already taken place. Okay, so... They have already taken place. Um, and there, there's a spectrum of preterism. That's what you need to understand, Corey. So not all preterists are the same. And I would say there are basically three forms of preterism. And, um, and they range from what I'd say is you know, totally acceptable to what I, what I would say is actually gets to the point of the, the heretical stance. Okay, So uh, let's say full preterism. So most preterists will... will tell you that they are partial preterists. 
And the reason they're partial preterists is because they understand that full preterism, meaning that everything that Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 25 and then in Revelation uh, has not um, taken place. So, well, I'm sorry, they, they would say it has taken place, so that would be full preterism. Partial preterism says some of the things have taken place and some are still in the future. Okay, so let's, let's, let me tell you for a why um, partial preterism, or sorry, why full preterism is considered heretical. Because what it says is exactly what you're saying, that uh, he returned in AD 70 and now we're living in his kingdom. So, um, you know, part of the thing that Jesus said, both in Matthew uh, 24 and 25 and in Revelation, he describes his coming again. And especially in Matthew 24 and 25, there's an interesting phrase there. He says, you know, this generation will not pass away before they see all these things happen. And so, you know, preterists, where they're coming from, they're not coming from a place of trying to be skeptical or, or you know, there's nothing wrong with what their, their motivation is, right? Their motivation is to be faithful to the word of God. And they say, well, how could Jesus say that all these things will happen during this generation? Um, and he, it seems to include the return of Jesus to the earth. And so they say, well, here's the solution that the full preterist would give. Well, um, Jesus did return symbolically in the Roman army that that was the coming of Jesus to bring judgment against uh, Jerusalem for not repenting and for the things that they did against the Christians and that that was the return of Jesus. So his return of Jesus wasn't a literal physical return but it was a you know, spiritual, symbolic return, and that that did indeed happen. Now, I do not believe that's true. Uh, I think, and, and really, the majority of Christian scholars believe that that is not what Jesus intended. And that's really important. What did Jesus intend? Did he intend to say, oh, well, I'm coming back, but then, oh, well, when I said I was coming back, I didn't really mean that I was coming back back. I just meant that I was going to kind of symbolically come back. No, I think that he's very clearly saying, and, and here's why. He says, I, I'm coming back and every eye will see me, right? Like every eye will see me. So point of this is all to say this. Uh, that is the full preterist stance and it goes against even the main creeds of the early church. I think about the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed which say that he will come again to judge the living and the dead and um, you know, the full preterist is saying he already did come again. Well, no. Uh, I think it's very clear that he has not come again. Secondly, are we living under the reign of Christ right now? Well, no. Look at how that's described in places like Isaiah, you know, where it talks about this utopian uh, world that we will live in when Christ's kingdom is here on earth. And we do not live in that kingdom. Right, like wolves laying down with lambs and children playing at the den of the adder, and people uh, say that they will they will pound their uh, swords into plows. Right? No, that's not happening. We still have war. We still have animals that bite us, and all of these things. And so, um, so that's my answer to that question. Now, now there are partial preterist stances that I I would agree with. So let's let's say this: some of the stuff that's in Matthew twenty-four. Uh, is probably describing what happened. Remember, Jesus is speaking as a Jewish Messiah, as a Jewish person to Jewish people, his disciples being Jews, in Jerusalem. And he's saying, hey, there's going to come a time when you guys are going to run and just pray that it doesn't happen on a, on a Sabbath. Uh, you guys are going to run and you're going to hide and things are going to be really bad. Um, 
Now, did that happen? Well, I think that you can make a pretty fair case for the fact that what Jesus is saying in Matthew 24 and 25 is, in fact, describing a lot of what happened in AD 70. Now, again, is it possible that what he's saying was fulfilled in part in AD 70, and yet it will also be fulfilled in fullness when he returns, or let's say at the very end of time, uh, in the end times? Yes. that In fact, that would be very... Uh, in line very much in harmony with many of the Old Testament prophecies which had partial fulfillments and then full fulfillments later on. Now then there's another preterist view. This is you know moving down the spectrum towards full preterism but not yet full preterism where they would say you know all the stuff in Revelation they would put an early date on Revelation. That's really important when you date Revelation uh, for the preterist view. And so um, they would put an early date. So they would say Revelation was written before AD 70. And that's really where the argument falls apart because they understand that it is describing events which are going to happen in the future. But in order for that to have happened, if the you know, Revelation is describing what happened in Rome in AD 70, it had to have written, been written before AD 70 to be describing the future. And from everything that scholarship knows, it would be much more accurate to date Revelation till after um, the fall of Rome in AD 70 and to around the year 90, which means if it was written after the fall of Rome, then he's not describing the fall of Rome. He's describing some things that will happen yet in the future. So that is why I do not hold that uh, preterist view of Revelation, whereas I, I would concede probably a partial preterism on um, Matthew 24 and uh, well, specifically Matthew 24. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, but thank you. That's a, that's a good question um, in regard to preterism. So I'll just put it this way. Um, well, yeah, I think that, that sums it up. Uh, let's go to our next um, text message, which is... See here, we've got uh, several. We've, we're coming up on the end of the show. We've probably got time for one more caller if you'd like to call in. The number is 303 690 And um, someone's asking for prayer. So let's pray for this person. They say, Hello, Pastor. Could you please pray for me? I'm hoping to move to California or Denver once I finish school and get married. Please place, pray that I can find a place that's in our budget. Yes, absolutely. Heavenly Father, we pray for this person who is uh, contemplating a mood, uh, move and uh, getting married and finishing school. So many changes. Lord, would you please open the door for them and give them guidance with where they should move to. Open up job opportunities. Open up places to live and uh, places that they can afford. And Lord, that's one of those big things in life where it's like wherever they move to is very much going to uh, change their life uh, and and determine the course of their life. And so, Lord, we really just ask so much that you would direct this person where to go and where you want them uh, and that you would give them that, uh, that gift of knowing. So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We have one more caller. Let's go to Sarah in Maryland. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Well. I would just like to um, compliment you. Um, I've been a little disappointed uh, sometimes in your answers, but nobody's perfect. Okay. I'm not by a, a long stretch. But at any rate, you gave uh, Kristen an excellent, excellent answer for um, a problem that's pretty universal uh, that a lot of people go through. Uh, 
whether Christian or not, but especially since she's a Christian. And it was just an excellent answer. I just wanted to comment on that. Excellent. Okay. On many, many levels. It was great. Well, thanks, sir. I appreciate that. And, and down and, to earth. And, oops, I mean, actual information that even though she's struggling, it's something she's really going to be able to use because it made great sense. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to uh, compliment you on that. That's it. Well, thank you, Sarah. And, you know, it, your uh, call does bring up an opportunity for me to talk about something that other people could benefit from. And that is that, uh, you know, you're mentioning a show from last week. Now it's probably airing right now where you're at in Maryland. But um, if anybody misses, if you ever miss a show, did you know that you can pick up our show on uh, podcasts? So we actually have a podcast on iTunes. So if you go into iTunes search engine or podcast search engine, whatever device or whatever you use, you can find it in there and just type in Calvary Live. And I sometimes do that myself. I listen to the other uh, hosts. Or I listen to back episodes. And you can listen to those. They, they kind of get uploaded in bulk at the end of the week. But if you subscribe to that podcast, you will be able to get some of the uh, past episodes. So for those of you who might have missed my conversation with a uh, caller last week named Kristen, you can go and get the podcast episode for that and listen to it. So thanks, Sarah, and God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. We have come up to the last minute of our show. Uh, thank you for all your calls and texts today. Um, we had several uh, people texting in um, asking for uh, some of the quotes. Again, that Sinclair Ferguson quote, someone asked me if I could repeat that. So um, let me do that right here at the end of the show. So Sinclair Ferguson said this, we're not saved individually and then choose to join the church as if it were some club or support group. Rather, Christ died for his people and we are saved when by faith we become part of the people for whom Christ died. It's a good word to end the show on and uh, God bless you. Tune into Calvary Live every weekday, 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time. And uh, I will be with you again next Monday. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.